Radical, episode 221. Welcome to Radical, ladies and gents. I'm your host, Jade Hazel. It is good to be back, obviously, in the studio. I have not done this um, on StreamYard in a long time. It's been months and months and months, uh, probably since April, maybe before then. I don't know. It's It's been a long time. Recovery is coming along. It's going all right. I mean, um, I am maybe to update you guys because I get a lot of questions about this and I appreciate uh, the the questions and concerns um, I am I am pushing and you know as you push you're gonna find limits and when you find limits you got to be smart about them especially when you're 42 right like uh, the the elderly millennial the the elderliness <laughs> I guess I feel it more Um you know, recovering from two back surgeries in the same year and, you know, botched at that, a uh, lot of, a lot of backstory on all this kind of stuff, people. So, um, at some point I will get you those backstories, but for now I will tell you, you know, that I am pushing, uh, I am trying to, um, come off of meds, right? Like, so originally they gave me a lot of Percocet they gave me some gabapentin, um, I've got a whole bunch in terms of the amount of, you know, like antibiotics. Like, I mean, I've been on antibiotics since about, I guess, early, early May sometime. And uh, a lot of that was in, you know, through a, a, a what's called a pick line in my arm. So that's gone. Um, been taking oral for a while. Obviously, you, you don't stop um, antibiotics. You, uh, you try to stop the other things. So for me, what that has been um, is getting off the Percocet almost immediately uh, as soon as I got home. So that's been a while. Um, and obviously, Percocet's for pain. It's highly, highly addictive and don't want to be on it. Then there is gabapentin, which is nerve pain. Um, and I had like three doses a day of that. So I'm down to one dose a day on gabapentin, which does leave the back at the end of the day, um, you know, a little more sore, especially if you're pushing, finding limits and, and going out and trying to really, uh, you know, get after it, just trying to, you know, find what you can do. Like I'm, I'm not to the point where I'm lifting. I'm not, none of that kind of stuff. Like I, when I feel good, I get to go out and I get to get some miles under, uh, my feet and, you know, in, in nature out here, which is amazing. So, um, I am, I am moving. I am in more pain, uh, than I was. And I think it's just going to have to, you know, it, at some point we'll figure it out. Um, try to find a new doctor and all that other kind of stuff. Um, and that's a whole other story. So maybe a medical program, um, for you guys here in the near future is, uh, the way we will go. But for today, um, I did want to go back and, and talk a little bit last week uh new numbers came out are we in a recession blah 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 and obviously we're at least in a recession uh if, ladies and gents at least in a recession um for me i, I talked a long time about you know what was going to happen uh in early 2020 with the lockdowns we've been talking for a long time about the dollar um that's going to die like it's it's just inevitable inevitable in any Keynesian economy. We just happen to be around um, after the hundred years in America where Keynesian economies, you know, really took hold. It was just one of those things: uh, bad decision after bad decision uh, by banks, by 
politicians, by the special interests that put them in those places. And one of the things that uh, you know caught my attention last week was the just the onslaught of 1984 just newspeak it was you know this ink sock stuff i mean if you guys are familiar with orwell if you've read 1984 if you've read animal farm i mean this is classic socialism to communism uh and that's you know even even marx talked about you know socialism was just a step towards communism so Anybody's like, oh, we'll just stop at socialism. No, you can't stop at socialism, not in a, a Keynesian economy. So what we saw last week was the parade of propaganda out there that that absolutely, you know, thinks that, you know people are morons. And hey, listen, the people that still watch this stuff for actually, uh, I guess, understanding what's going on in the world, they are morons. I, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're still watching primetime television if you're still watching you know fox or cnn or msnbc or any of that other kind of stuff other than to report on like what they're saying or to know where they're going with propaganda okay i i can see you you watching it for that but like if you're just the average person out there um man what a waste of time go get books go get podcasts go get something other than you know these paid for propagandists that are on Fox and everything else. There's worlds out there. And to you know, kind of outline what I'm saying, um, Christine Romans is uh, a CNN anchor or reporter or whoever she is. I don't, I don't watch CNN. I really have no idea. I did see this clip that they put out last week. And I'm going to break it down. It's about a minute and 27 seconds. And um, then we're going to get into a small article by a guy named Marty Bent. Smart guy. Super, super smart guy. Um, and I believe he was actually part of the Libertarian uh, Bitcoin uh, weekend that we had the fundraiser. So anyway, uh, to this quick blip from Christine Romans, who is trying to, I don't know, tell her audience what they should know about this from their point of view, their propagandist point of view. And it is, this is some of the, I don't know. It's most see-through under, like, if you understand anything about economics, this is why uh, we can't have nice things. So without further ado. The dreaded R word. You've heard it a lot lately, but what exactly is a recession? The national. All right. So a recession is two economic quarters of uh, falling GDP, right? Just super, super simple. Now, what they're going to tell you is their definition. The dreaded R word. Like she's trying to like kind of like, eh, it's not so bad. They're setting the stage. They're playing this out. Is it a recession? Is it not? Like, it's in question. In 2019, you guys got locked down. Period. You got you got locked down, and you got locked down not because of COVID. You got locked down because of a crashing world economy. That's it's that plain and simple. They they want and they know that the U.S. dollar, the the you know the the entire world's reserve currency is crashing 
people are unpegging from it. People don't want to be pay, paid in it. People want more sound money. Like they do. It's just it's a matter of fact. And they corralled everybody. They got all their tax cattle. They didn't let anybody travel or escape is a better word probably. And then they started crafting the narrative. Oh, it's all for your own good. It's a lockdown. We're not worried about economics. You know, we've got you. We're just going to print trillions of dollars and you can give that to your landlords. You can give that to the light company. You can give that to the water company. You can give that to all these different companies and we got you. So they wanted more people dependent on the system, which uh, I think is, you know, always the goal of socialism. They want people dependent on the system and they don't care what happens in that system. They don't, they don't care, you know, when people are like, Hey, listen, you know, this is going to cause death and starvation and it's going to cause wars and it's going to cause all sorts of destruction because you cannot consume and consume and consume and consume like a bunch of parasites and locusts and never create. That's the problem with Keynesian economics. It's consume, 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 buy, 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 spend, 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 spend. And if you stop doing that, you're done. You're toast. Your your economic system is garbage. The problem is, is when you buy, 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 spend, 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 and just eat through anything that every, everybody produces, it's fake. It's not going to last. It's going to come to the point where... At some point, you're gonna run out of other people's money, right? Like the 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 great uh, Margaret Thatcher said. Um, well, in, in that one at that one point in her in her tenure, I guess. But for for anybody to sit there and tell you that more economic dependence on the government, more you know dependence on their systems, more dependence on their money, more dependence on any of this kind of stuff, consume, consume, consume. Um, Man, at some point you got to produce because you're going to run out, and now is you know where we're coming to see this. So, in two thousand late 2019, you saw Brexit happen, which was a you know the first pushback in terms of you know a global system. You saw a peaceful decentralization effort, and I think that's really what kicked off this um, this mass decentralization that I think been fomenting itself within populations everywhere. I think a lot of people maybe see it, maybe they don't see it, but they, they realize that there's so much invasion into their space, into their lives, into their businesses, into their, you know, the, the schools that their kids go to, like, it's gross. We've let them into everything. And this lady is setting the stage as eh, it's just a recession. I think it's actually a depression that started years ago. Bureau of Economic Research defines a recession as a significant decline in economic activity that lasts more than a few months. See, and they're changing it. She's changing it already. It, I, I like GDP. She doesn't use the word GDP. She says more than a couple months. Well, a quarter is three months, right? No, you're talking about two quarters. That's half a year of economic downturn in, in terms of gross domestic product, what we're overall creating as a society. And on top of it, we're printing trillions. It's not a good mix. This NBER, as it's known, is the official arbiter. It's a group of economists. Oh, now they're saying, all right, this group of economists, the NBER, like they don't know 
anything. They don't know shit. And by the way, I cuss on this show, so tune out. If these are if if what they're saying is like these guys are the official economists, you can't like it's it's hey, 1984. You need to trust us. We've gone to the official source. And if we've gone to the official source, then who are you to question what we're reporting? It's crazy. So, I mean, this you can't go two seconds in this video without having to kind of take what she says, tear it apart, and put reality back in who ultimately decide if the country is in a recession. And they look at many factors, one of which is gross domestic product, or GDP. When GDP shrinks for two quarters in a row, it's typically an ominous sign that a recession is here. But that's not the only signal. All right, so when when they do the camera work, they, they zoom in just a little bit, like tip four. But, but, so she does mention the actual definition. But then she goes, but she's discounted it. She's played the, you know, she's opened up the field. She's painted the picture. And this is how propaganda works. But, and they zoom in for effect. Like, what I'm about to tell you is super important. And here's why. I'm about to tell you a bunch of lies that negate the official definition. But I'm going to tell you lies that negate the official definition of what a recession is. Also important is the labor market. Recessions are usually accompanied by big job loss. A recession can be caused. All right, big job loss. In 2020, in 2021, in 2022, when you go places, what do you see on doors everywhere? Hey, sorry, we are understaffed. We are hiring. Um, Thank you for your patience. Please be patient. You know, whatever it is, like people are asking for your patience because they are understaffed, which means there are either jobs available or there are positions that should be available that employers can't pay people for anymore, or there's just no help. Forced out of the market, or they have uh, they have taken the government dole, and now they're like, eh, why work? You know, inflation is huge. I'm getting, you know, I'm getting my stimmy checks or whatever it is. And, you know, that's what happened in 2020. People, like, they left the job market. They're like, yeah, I I can just stay home and earn probably just as much money and I don't have to put miles on my car or anything like that. People have left the job market. They have lost, they've left the economy. They're, like, they're dependent more than ever, and I'll show you at the end of the show why, they are dependent more than ever on the government right now. The the welfare class, and I'm not saying the welfare class is the drain. I'm saying the welfare class is the product of what they did in 2020 and before, obviously. But in 2020, that's that was what they did. They were like, hey, you are non-essential, and uh, you need to stay home. And you know, we'll keep places like the big box stores open. You know, we'll, we'll throw up some theater, like signs and stupid stickers on the floor that tell you which way you can go up and down fucking aisles like oh yeah that's gonna that worked real well the jobs that were lost the jobs that were destroyed the entire businesses that went out of business in 2020 um a lot of them were mom and pops they were small businesses and, and i don't think people realize this but in a time where confidence is down in all of the american institutions like all of them and for a good reason 
the people who are trusted most are small businesses right now. It used to be things like, I don't know, the military, the police, and all that kind of stuff. Like, not anymore. It's small businesses because small businesses are what provides the glue for your community to function. It's very, very simple. Back to the video. Caused by several factors. Inflation, when businesses hike prices due to an increase in production costs. <laughs> Inflation happens when businesses hike their product or service costs is bullshit. Inflation is when you inflate the entire money supply. And we did that by almost damn half of our entire existence. Our entire debt existence as a country, we printed in like the last year and a half, two years. <clears throat> and then we're going to sit here and tell you it's because businesses have to hike prices because of, no, it's because you have more money chasing less goods. And when you have way more money, like trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars chasing less goods because you have broken down supply chains, which we obviously called way back in 2018, 2019, like we said, hey, this is going to happen. And when you crush people down and you don't have jobs and you have more money chasing less services and goods in a supply chain, what do you think is going to happen? Obviously, people are going to pay more for those things uh, because they're important to their business. And then they're going to pass it on to you, the consumer. Deflation, when companies are forced to slash prices because of a lack of consumer confidence and foot traffic. And <laughs> Deflation. When companies are forced to slash prices? Come on. CNN. Like, there is garbage. There is trash. This is a hot shit dumpster fire full of trash i mean it is the grossest of the gross you guys are i mean the fact that you put this out with your face and your name on it christina who is it christine romans like the fact that you put this out look i'm an i'm an idiot i'm a i'm a knuckle dragging crane eating former marine and this this is trash deflation are you decreasing the money supply? Are there are we are we chasing, you know, more goods, right? Things things like basic economics 101, it has nothing to do with the with people who provide goods and services to the market. It has nothing to do with them. They are reacting to a Keynesian economy where the government along with the banking cabal has decided to print tons of money. Now, you will get some deflation as people begin to see that we're coming into hard times. And deflation in some prices happens because there is overstock of those products, right? Like you're going to see very soon that places like Target, Walmart, the big box stores can't move product because people aren't spending money like they used to. They're holding on to as much as they can or trying to save it or put it in some sort of hedge uh, against this out of control inflation. And so what happens? These people experience a, a lot, a lot uh, of, of slowdown. And at the end of the day, they're trying to, to move product because what happens at the end of the year? 
they get taxed on whatever's on the shelves. Or if it goes bad because it was a consumable. If it goes bad, then they've got to move it. And pennies on the dollar is better than nothing at all. So with that all being said, let's keep letting her go. A rise in interest rates, a critical tool the Fed has used to tame inflation. A <laughs> they've gone up 0.75 points in the Fed, right? To, to quote unquote tame inflation. Ah, boy. I don't think you're going to tame inflation when you're printing that kind of money. It's not going to happen. What these guys are going to have to do is turn on the money printer and they are going to do quantitative easing into infinity. Now it doesn't matter that, you know, interest rates are going up, which, you know, is an incentive to push money into banks. Like this is never going to happen. People right now are looking for harder money because the money system that they're in is falling apart. Thank God for Bitcoin. Inflation can result in higher unemployment rates and consumers hoarding their cash to spend on essential goods. That leads to businesses losing profits or in some cases going bankrupt. The last recession, the shortest, caused by COVID-19. It began in February 2020. COVID-19 did not cause a recession or anything like that. The government reaction, the shutting down of business, of commerce, of economy, is what caused the last recession. People still traded. They're, they're, they're literally showing people in masks, going to stores, getting food. Like People didn't stop. They forced people to close, especially in other places around the world. They made you stay home. They made you shut your doors to your business they they did it here in america and i'll tell you you know even you know some of the best of of what happened was watching these people open their gyms back up and say eh, screw you i think we're i think we're going to defy what you're saying and we're gonna we're gonna keep going so let's have it there the government not the i don't know not the covid19 like jesus christ are you kidding me COVID-19 didn't do anything. How governments reacted to it in a draconian style, including here in Georgia, where Brian Kemp, in the moment that it mattered most, showed his true colors. Oh, man, that's going to hurt hurt in November, Brian. You can say whatever you want, but this is the case. 20 before ending in April 2020, it was touted as the deepest recession on record. One thing is for certain, history has shown the lingering effects of a recession could be felt for much longer. CNN, you have got, I don't know, I, when, when the money printer finally turns off and they, they don't have it, like, it's going to be glorious. I was going to go through this, man, like, it's, it's, I don't know. I think I'm going to do some shorter shows. And I just wanted to talk about real quick some of the spikes in in history. The in spike the, the, I should say this the spikes in total public debt to GDP ratio. When when you have debt that overwhelms what you're producing as a nation, you're in trouble. And you're always going to be in trouble. Um, we have a very I don't know, starting at about 1800 um, we are at about 25% GDP, and obviously that's coming out of a um, a revolutionary war. It's standing up a new a new constitutional republic, and you know 
there's some costs associated with that. But then it actually really comes down. Um, Jackson obviously killed the banks. I believe that was like 1820. And you see, you know, in, you know, from about 1820 through 1860, not only does it decline, but it stays really, really level till about 1860. And then the, ratio between GDP to debt uh, just skyrockets for the time. It goes way back up uh, to over 25%, and that's the U.S. Civil War. And what you will see through history as we go through this real quick is that most of what drives this total public debt and GDP ratio is conflict. It's war. Um, You fast forward after the U.S. Civil War um, all the way to about... 1918 um you know then you see what happened when you know the u.s got involved in world war one uh gdp and uh debt kind of flip on their head again and now you're above probably 30 40 percent gdp then fast forward we we have a little bit of a recovery up until about 1930 um in the 1920s in terms of you know the the, the, the jet, uh, I should say, the debt to GDP ratio. But then what happens is you get overextended in credit, and then the overextension in credit then pushes all the way up. Um, in World War II, about 1945, and you've got almost I don't know 120 uh, percent in terms of what the uh, the ratio is. 120 percent public debt to GDP ratio. Bad times for a lot of people. A lot of people during that time were were not were not doing great. Uh, there was this was the you know continued crisis, depression, whatever it was, um, and you know in terms of Keynesian economy that uh, came back and bit America in the ass. You know you have tons and tons of spending. You have FDR taking us uh, or confiscating the gold. You have you know everybody in terms of the you know military industrial complex that has to be supported for world war ii and and man i'll tell you what it goes all the way up to almost 125 percent, which is a that's a ton whenever you get above 100 percent, man ooh, your country is on literally on the edge of collapse and then um we run down till about 1980 and then start to climb a little bit and then it's just been this this climb ever since um you get a bump in 1990s where the military uh, and the MIC take off to the Middle East, uh, and then you have you know a little bit of the buildup in Cold War, all the, obviously all of that fun stuff, and then you get into the early 2000s where again we start to see this thing climb and climb and climb and climb, and today we are at about 137 uh, percent total debt to GDP which means we are paying millions, billions, I should say, billions to service our debt, just just servicing debt to the Federal Reserve. And I, I think, you know, these, these periods, the Civil War, the World War I, World War II, um, all the conquests that we've done ever since. But I think the last thing I want to get to in the show is to show people what they don't talk about. Um, and the disconnect, you know, where all these reporters and everything are saying, oh, this is, you know, nothing to worry about. We're okay, right? Um, what they don't talk about is poverty. 
Um, and we, we've got some very clear statistics from the our own U.S. Census Bureau. This is uh, poverty in the United States from uh, 2010, I think probably all the way up to 2020. The poverty rate in the United States has been decreasing steadily since the economic recovery, quote unquote, uh, began in 2010. This was that obviously a band-aid. We said, you know, this is going to come back and it's going to haunt us. The TARP, the bailouts, the quantitative easing, all that's going to come back and haunt us. Uh, in 2010, but in 2020, the poverty rate started to climb again. With more than one out of every 10 Americans living below the poverty threshold and one out of 20 children, it's clear that poverty has created a difficult situation for millions of people. In, in, in 2021, the poverty threshold for a couple with two children was $27,479. In 2020, the poverty rate was 11.4%. That was up from 10.5% a year earlier. A total of 37.2 million people were living in poverty in 2020, which was a 3.3 million uh, uptick from the year before. So 3.3 million more. Ten, We went from 10.5 to 11.4% in poverty. And I don't know that this does it justice because inflation added to that. I don't think inflation and poverty rates are keeping up with each other. The poverty rate for people under the age of 18 was 16.1% in 2020, an increase of 14.4% from 2019. That's crazy. I'm going to say that one again. The poverty rate for people under the age of 18 was 16.1% in 2020. That was up 14.4% from 2019. The poverty rate for seniors, and this one is going to come back and bite people in the ass. The poverty rate for seniors, the age was, uh, you know, given was 65, was 9%, which is essentially unchanged in 2019. Now, I could do, we should, probably should do an entire show on pensions. I saw a space not long ago on Twitter spaces that um, you had a bunch of, you know, CNN types and MSNBC types talking about what the pension crisis was going to be and recovery and all that kind of stuff. Listen, uh, the people who have allowed Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, the entire, you know, uh, federal state of social security and all that other crap to continue to balloon and go out of control. They are going to get hammered because social security, the money that they're going to throw into social security is going to be way behind inflation. It is going to crush people. The pensions that people were promised, they're going to get canceled. Uh, they're, they're not going to be able to keep up the poverty amongst the elderly is going to skyrocket absolutely skyrocket because there's nothing that they can do to keep up and a lot of what they've saved is in an accounts where they can't take that money out it's going to be a disaster and nobody is talking about this you know for the for people who are in old folks homes people who are in uh psychiatric psychiatric wards people who are you know living on fixed incomes from the government you better, if they're in your life, you better start making plans for them. I'm going to tell you right now. I saw these statistics on poverty and I was like, well, this is pretty interesting. Um, 
some of the highest poverty rates exist in uh, places like Mississippi, uh, Louisiana, and New Mexico. The states with the lowest are New Hampshire, um, the Free State Project. Go figure. Just, I think, more independent people. Utah, which, you know, let's face it, you know, the the Mormons, I, I got nothing against you guys, but, you know, it's one of those things where you guys are super, super prepared people. And then Minnesota. Um, Minnesota, if you've never been there, beautiful state. Uh, the cities are filled with idiots. Uh, and I, I don't say that like to be mean, like most of these are filled with, uh, liberal morons, but the, uh, the state as a whole, you know, they're very hardy people. I mean, if you're surviving in Minnesota, for God's sakes, oh God, winters are terrible. Um, at any rate, I thought this was very interesting. And I thought, you know, if we actually talked about what the poverty rate was and how the poverty rate in America is growing right now. You know, this is the disconnect between the DCs, uh, the, the banking cabals and the zombie corporations that are out there. Like you're getting to that point where the, they, they can't, they can't outrun the real problem. And the real problem is you've inflated a currency. You have a, which is fiat to begin with. And there is absolutely no standard in it. And now it's just quantitative easing to infinity. They're going to screw around with interest rates in vain. And the U.S. dollar as the Federal Reserve currency of the world is going to collapse. The question and what my prediction is, this is what's going to happen. So if you stuck around to the end of the show here, my prediction is this. And I think we're already starting to see it. The World Economic Forum and the rest of these clowns out there that see this as the opportunity for the Great Reset, which they are on record multiple times now talking about. It's not just you know some conspiracy theory like Klaus Schwab and the rest of these ass clowns. They want to take control of everything. They want the world to be you know modeled in their light, our interactions to be monitored, uh, curtailed, so that our behavior is in line with their vision of the world. Because let's face it, their ideas suck, and so they've got to use force and coercion. They've got to manipulate currency. They're going to manipulate the. They, they want to manipulate the entire world, and here's their hubris. What they're going to do is they're going to say, "Hey, America fucked up real bad, right? A lot of fiat currencies fucked up real, real bad. This is too important of an issue to keep in the hands of the the economists in America, right? They're going to just going to say this is you know the the Federal Reserve was a very American." never has it never it never was never will be the the IMF I think is going to be what they turn to and say this has to be a one world currency it's a CBDC we control it and now um, you'll have people like Joe Biden and the the rest of the clowns and the media complex and the propagandists and all these other places that are going to come out and they're gonna be like yep this is the way this is the way forward. We have to turn over the sovereignty uh, to a, a centralized power. We're going to we're going to give CBDCs a try at the international, you know, level. This is this is what is is going to befall people. So you can either opt out, get out of the banks, get into hard assets. I don't care if it's gold or Bitcoin or silver or whatever you think. I'm going to tell you right now, um, if you know anything about what happened to China and India when they chose silver over gold because it was a disaster for them. It set them back 
probably 100 years. The hardest asset is going to win. The people with money are going to put their money in the hardest assets. And when tech comes on and when investment firms come on to Bitcoin, it's over and it's coming. I'm telling you right now. That's my prediction. You know, put it put it in the bank and um, I guess we'll, we'll go from there. But that's going to end this show. We're going to do shorter shows. We're going to try to get more of them. And uh, this Thursday evening, um, if you are around we are going to have uh mark moss and alex Svetsky, the authors of the uncommunist manifesto short read little packet i think about 80 pages i still have to finish it so um at any rate uh we're gonna have those guys on brilliant guys in the bitcoin space and i'm really looking forward to having them but uh this uh this little uncommunist manifesto is a great book too kind of gives you an understanding of private property and um at that I guess we're going to call it an early Monday and uh, we will see you here later in the week. Until then, I love you. I need you. Peace. Um, don't hurt people and don't take their stuff.